It's your bright idea, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, man. Don't call me up. Hey, we need to do a hurricane, a, a hurricane party. Y'all gotta tell us a great Ed Reed story. That, that no, nobody knows. One of those epic battles with him. Let y'all tell. I got, I got, I got a lot of Ed Reed stories. Dude. You gotta, you gotta pay me for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> people didn't realize. People didn't understand that relationship. It was just me telling dude, hey, look, man, this opportunity you got, you know, take advantage of this shit. Get your education. Damian Lewis, Nate Webster, and uh, all those guys, man, and, and they was as crazy as I was. So I, I figured, I mean, I, I could come down here and act a fool with these clowns. When we first got down there, we almost got in a fight. You know, that was up my alley. You know, I'm, <laughs> hey, I, 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 the question was early. Who, who was the, what was the best team? Ooh. 2001, Hey, we, hey, we made a 16, and they were some dogs. Trust me, they were some dogs. I know that. I, hey, I, I, CP. Hey, but that 2000, no. I'm telling y'all. Yeah, CP, 2000. Hey, there, there's a story about, about you, how you used to antagonize Willis. I used to sit over there and wait till Willis get out of the game. Hey, dog, how many yards you had? <laughs> Man, that ain't nothing. I'm going to go ahead and get eight. James Jackson did it to me. <laughs> <laughs> James Jackson did it to me. Coach Sal allowed James to do it to me. <laughs> James, look, James Jackson, first game of my career, Ohio State, Meadowland. James Jackson come to me and say, ACP, I bet you $100 I break a 50-yard run within the first, first, first carry. I said, no way in hell. Second carry. Boom. <laughs> 59 yards. Listen <laughs> 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 to the party. I got to the party. You ain't never had no big run like that. Yours was all 10 to 15 yards, but they added. Hey, listen, here's one for you. So every once in a while, we'd always see Warren Williams starting over Mel Bratton. And I'd, hear, I'd see Mel, Mel would get 100 yards against Florida. Then the next week, Warren Williams is starting. I look over at high and I start doing – What's going on, man? He goes, he gives me that shit. He gives me that crap. This guy right here, that's why you ain't starting. Come on, Don. We got a quarantine party. Quarantine party.
He said, boy, if you try to coach him, I'll make sure you never coach again in college football. <laughs> you leave him alone. Go coach someone else. <laughs> so my first game, I was coaching inside linebackers, the kickoff classic. Bo Jackson, Tommy A.G., and Brent Fullwood were the backs in the wishbone. That was his first game. We beat them 20 to 18 in, in, uh, in, in that uh, kickoff classic game. Hey, Bo ain't never outrushed me in his career. <laughs> hey, Lonzo, Luke, look here, quick story. This is how I knew Coach Saul was OG. A bad practice. Coach Davis blow the whistle. Tell everybody to get the F off the field. So the offense try to go to the other field and keep practicing. He blow the whistle again. Get the F off the field. All the players start jogging off. He blow the whistle a third time. Say the coaches too. Run. Don't walk off the field. All the coaches take off running. Coach Saul walking. So I'm walking, talking to Coach Saul. Coach Saul walking, turn around. Hey, bro. I'm effing grown. My wife is rich. I don't need this shit. <laughs> Turned back around and kept walking. Coach Davis looked like this man crazy. I looked like, oh man, Coach Solomon's the realest coach ever. <laughs> Hey, Coach Sarger was like that. He told me one time, when are you going to break a run for like 40 yards or something? He was coaching tight ends. He said, man, you ever going to break a long run? And we, played, we were playing Purdue. And I went like 47 yards down the sideline. He looked at me and was like, okay. Hey, Edge. EJ. What up? So let me tell you, let me tell you how Lamar used to do me, man. You know how the receiver got to get the most dangerous man between the safety and the corner. So the strong safety be creeping down in the box. We get ready to run the ball. Lamar know he's supposed to go in there and dig him out, right? He don't dig him out, right? I hit, I hit him in the hole. I try to get two or three more yards after that. We get back in the huddle. I'm like, Lamar, why you ain't going there and dig him out? Lamar tell me. Bro, I'm trying to get it third and long. <laughs> <laughs> now imagine if you had to deal with that every day. In the game, bro. Uh, hey, don't worry about it. All you got to do is, hey, when you got that nine route, don't block. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, that's go, that go the best Lamar story. That's go the best Lamar story. So, you him is playing against Alabama. Oh, Alabama and New Orleans. Luther Campbell. No, Lamar comes. Lamar George. comes to me on the sideline like I'm a coach. I ain't a damn coach. This motherfucker Gino ain't throwing me the fucking ball. And then you got who? Who's the receiver? Who's the DB? The DB uh, of Alabama. Uh, I forget what his name. Hey, George T. George T. Dang, hurry! Lamar, yo, you ain't fucking, man, Luke, go talk. So I go over to Gino. Gino's sitting on the bench. I said, Gino, right? I'm looking around, you know, seeing where the coach is at. Gino, you need to throw the ball to this motherfucker. <laughs> Stuff happening. Gino goes out there, throw the ball to Lamar. Boom! And the rest was history. Lamar had to tell the rest of the story. <laughs> Oh, the best story about Lamar, them, Lamar, them, we get done with football. We're in the spring. 
Lamar them started running track. They ain't been out there practicing for a week. So they go to the Big East Championship. Lamar doing a high jump. Lamar and Horace Copeland doing right. a high jump. You got to do that. All they do on the other squad, all they do is do track. They own track scholarship the whole nine yards. Man, Lamar them went up there to the Big East Championship track meet and talked them dudes out of out of jumping, and they went first and second. They just they shit the hell out of them. Just, just, just talked them out of the whole track meet. And went first and second in the high jump. Lamar jumped like he jumping scissors on the high jump. He jumped, he high jumped in four years and go win the Big East. He got to be the first person to take his helmet off in the end zone. He say, I'm going to take my motherfucking helmet off. Fuck that. I'm going to take my Lamar, that's going to be a penalty. Fuck that. I'm going to take. This man changed more rules in the NCAA than anybody <laughs> on this. On I this got that from Melvin, man. I got that from Melvin. I just want, hey, look, I came from Gainesville, man. I just wanted to be known, dog. I just wanted people to know me, bro. That's it. And I know if I took my helmet off, I could walk into Starbucks and be the man. <laughs> 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 hey, Lonzo, Lonzo you, you've got to tell the story. A lot of people, even with the 30 for 30, they talk about everything else but how hard we actually work. Yeah. So the story is, and I want you to tell it, the day that you was working out, it was pro day. You was working out. You had about a two, three-hour workout. You went out there and worked out. And then the doggone, after the workout, you went to the locker room. Uh, what happened was, that was back in the 80, 86, 87. You had fax machines back then. You ain't no, ain't no emails or, you know, so 13 teams, there were 27 teams at that time. So 13 teams got my pro day at 9 a.m. when I was supposed to work out. Well, 13 teams show up, I work out. Because I didn't work out at the combine. So I'm sit, I'm done for the day. I ain't got nothing to do. I'm sitting there. My, my girlfriend, who's my wife now, she brings me something to eat. I'm eating a Burger King. 14 teams show up at 1 o'clock. They said, we thought your pro day was at, at uh, 1 o'clock. I said, well, shit, let's go. I got nothing else to do. Let's go. But that's not what the mentality. You didn't know no better. So I did a second pro day. I ran again. My, my second day was better than the, my second pro day was better than the first pro day. But that was the mentality. You were broke. You didn't have any money. Didn't matter to you. There were no Instagrams. There were no, you didn't have everything you have today. So you said, you know what? You 14 teams are showing up here to see me work out again. I'm going to do it. I'm gonna do it again. Let's go. And what what round what what pick were you in that draft? Uh, third. Third, third pick of the draft. Third, yeah, third. Yeah. A six double workout. They didn't tell me about that Astro turf and the Astro Dome. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Concrete. 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 I didn't know you so you're supposed to be jumping in the air and landing on one leg and stuff like that. Hey, Luke, before y'all get into further, Luke, I, I got to say this, and because I hope a lot of people are actually watching. I'm sure they are. But I just want to thank Coach Don Solinger yep. for saving my life and giving me a chance to be a part of this. Oh. Coach, yeah. I love you. Hey, hey without <coughs> you, I don't know where I would be today. I really hey, do. Coach, you saved me. You saved me. You saved me too, Coach. I would have been I would have been up in North Florida somewhere. 
Hey, hometown, appreciate you bringing Coach Solinger through the Ville. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah, baby. They said I couldn't recruit. What it was really about, you know, when Jimmy found me, I remember him looking me in the face. He goes, you got in trouble at Maryland because right. I threw a dude out a window. Yeah, and, same height. Yeah, and hey. And he goes like this, you got one fucking shot, man. He put me in the auxiliary locker room with the freshmen next to the shitter. It was overflowing. <laughs> and he said, hey, man, you're going to have to earn your stripes at this bitch because I don't need you. But I'm going to give you an opportunity. And I took that opportunity like every guy in our locker room did. And everyone has their own story. My story is no different than anybody else's story yeah. because we all come from some place that got us to that that locker room and inside that fraternity that in my opinion is one of the most special fraternities in the entire country i don't give a fuck about alabama auburn lsu or any of them other play ohio state fuck that look at what the hall of fame is going to do the next five years we're going to land a dude in canton for the next five years reggie you're next this is crazy, man. I mean, it's incredible to be a part of something like this. Yeah. And you know what? And here, on your side of it, I want to say this. Being in this league for the 23 years and I played at Miami and everything, the way these old, younger players treat the older players has been phenomenal. And it's been, I've had nothing but praise and respect for Portis and Reggie Wayne and Edging James. They could say, Man, fuck those guys. They, I don't yeah. know. Man, and they Jack Rich said that, Lonzo. Young men. Oh, man, you guys, are, you guys oh, have carried man. it on, man. Clinton, I remember yeah. getting you on my show in Miami, and you you referenced every single one of us, and you're talking about Reggie and Chuck, uh, William and all the guys that played on those 2000 teams. I mean, you guys knew Jonathan Vilma. All you guys know the history. And it was, it was, I'll tell you what, that may be the greatest honor is that how you guys went on constantly talking about us and keeping our memory alive with that, knowing that the cement was poured there, but you guys built the house. It's really it's crazy, crazy. Crazy. That's what it was. That's what yeah. it was. Yeah. Or EJ didn't lend a hand to me when I needed them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look like I got to tell this story, Luke. So I'm coaching at Miami, all right? I'm coaching at Miami. I'm recruiting. We're up there for the uh, state championship game. Booker T. Washington is playing. All right, and so we're at, we at a stage right at Miami that we're not having a whole lot of success. So I go down, walk into the stadium. We get there probably a little bit after the first quarter starts. So everybody's seated in the stadium. Everybody's already there. They're watching the game. I show up my orange and green shirt on. I'm walking through the crowd. Everybody stopped back to them, and I'm on the Booker T side. Everybody stopped, and they started to look. Some rumblings get to going on. You know how it is, Luke. They weren't Miami fans at that time, so they looking at me, and all of a sudden, I hear Edwin say, hey, hey, that's Hurley. He's straight. Everybody let me come on through. I said, damn. <laughs> But that's what it's all about, man. Them dudes, hey, the respect and love that they have for the for <clears throat> the guys is phenomenal. There you go. Not, not, real that's, OG. That, that's one thing about it, though. Like, to be honest with you, like, I know when we were there, 
it was like we didn't want to let the older guys down because we know y'all guys had them built their foundation for us. Right. You know what I'm saying? So like we didn't want to let those guys down. Like we took pride in when we were working out, and I'm a receiver, so I'll see you know Lamar come back or Michael Irvin come back. Like shit, that was love. So whenever we see them, especially on the sideline of the game, like shit, we got to turn up. We got we yeah. got to show up. Like we can't go yeah. out here ass stepping. And mm -hmm. I remember when we played. <laughs> we played Florida State in, in 2000, and we ended up scoring at the end of the game. Michael Irvin met me out on the damn hash mark. <laughs> he had all white fucking linen, all white linen on. You can see his drawers and Eric out there. <laughs> over 100 degrees out there, right? <laughs> and he hugged me on the hash mark. I'm like, Mike, you're going to get us in trouble. He like, I don't care, goddammit. We won this game. But to me, like, that meant everything because he was one of those older dudes that built their foundation. And the only thing we wanted to do is keep that legacy going. So we, we, took, we took pride into that, and we appreciate y'all for that. Hey, Reggie, I bet you don't remember going to Black Gold after that game. <laughs> <laughs> that was like an office. <laughs> 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 at the office, baby. Black Gold. Black Gold. Brett Romberg in here. Yeah, Romberg. We got the Cuban Joaquin. What's up, Joaquin? Brent, you got to tell us one of them stories, Brent. You got to tell us one of them stories. Everybody that told stories. You just got in here. We need to hear a great UM story from you, brother. Uh, well, I, I would piggyback. I would piggyback Reggie's story right there on that 2000 game because that was. Uh, after the nuts dropping that we did in Washington, when we got we got our shit kicked in basically for about three quarters, when we went up to Washington in the corner of the map, and uh, that was that was our young crew, man. We were young. A lot of us were first time starters. I know I was. Ken Dorsey, for that matter. It was only my second game. Yeah, man. That, that was like that was our first like first go, and we ended up meeting uh, a very feisty, loud, and still to this day, I think that that was probably the loudest stadium that we ever played in. Uh, whether it was college or pro, like Seattle Seahawks, man, nasty afternoon. Yeah, that, that's that's some loud. I don't know what kind of fucking engineer they got over there, but that joker <laughs> needs to get a raise to tell you the truth. Um, yeah, I, I think that I think that Washington was the nut dropper, and uh, and after that day, I, I think it was just no turning back. Whether whether it was Swayze, whether it was getting your mind right on Thursdays up in the big team meeting room. Um, it was a mental game. It was not only the physical sitting in the ice tub shit that we went through, but I think a lot of it was, was the mentality that we had. And, and me, me and Vilma talk about it quite a bit. Uh, I go back. I have like a mixed kind of history with, with Miami. So I get taken underneath the wing of Richard Mercier, who got fucked up by guys like Casey Jones, uh, who got fucked up by guys like Mario Cristobal. So that twisted mentality of an offensive lineman it just, it just bred borderline retardation, to be honest with you. Like, it, the stuff that we were doing and getting away with as, uh, as, as fat boys, the chicks that we were dating should not have happened. Like, stuff like this should not have went down, you know? And, uh, and I, feel, I feel after that Washington game and as we went through in that freaking Florida State game that happened basically on my birthday, I, I spent the night in the hospital. I dehydrated. I lost, like, after they pumped me with four or five IVs after that game, I still lost 14 pounds from pre <laughs> I was still 14 pounds light. So you got, you got the shocky situation in the end zone. I didn't know where the fuck I was at. I was so damn tired. 
But that right there was exactly what Reggie was talking about, about that baton being handed off. And, and I don't think so much, like, 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 I know it's been touched on about, about the young kids respecting the, the older guys and, and, you know, basically giving credit where credit is due, kind of the same homage that we used to give to that previous class, the, the, the 95 to 2000 class, and then the 95 to, to 90 class. Like, everybody basically goes in there like it's the goddamn mafia, and you have to pay your fucking respects. That, that's how you earn your stripes. That's how you earn your helmet. That's how you earn that sticker on your helmet. And, uh, and I feel like that today, fuck, man, it's, it's unfortunate. I feel like that is kind of lost. Like, I really do. I don't think they're so concerned with what we did or what we do you know why, in Brett? Miami today. You know what I mean? You I think it's more of uh, we saw what happened in the past. We're a different crew, um, and this is our stepping stone to do something bigger, better, and greater. And that whole team camaraderie, I don't know if anybody's been over there talking to some of these cats, but they don't have no fucking team camaraderie. Do you know that that kid Tate Martell never showed up for a month and a half at the fucking facility? You under, like, can you fucking believe that? A goddamn quarterback kid who's out there talking about how Brady is still to this day on social media talking about he's fighting for that starting job. Bitch, you fucking left us for a month and a half. Do you realize that you wouldn't even be allowed back on campus? If one His of us was walking was. the fuck, can you believe if we were walking on campus or we were at the tree, you want to talk about being at the tree and all of a sudden somebody shows up, ain't been around for a month? Brother, yeah. you're fucking rolling. You're out of it. You ain't going to make it in the locker room. You ain't going to make it in the couches. You ain't going anywhere, dude. It's over. I see the veins on the side of the neck. Okay. Man, I'm telling you, bro. I, just, I, I feel like it's, uh, I feel like no link, whatever. Yeah. Yes, there's no link to the past, man. They got, they did away with it. No. The big turnover chain, though. Brett, they got, the, no, they got the, Hopefully Reggie will bring it back, you know? There's no <laughs> Like, listen, when we walked in that, like, like Reggie and all these guys were saying, man, when you walked in that fucking locker room, man, your job was on the line every day. Your job was on the line every day when you walked in there. And when you got your you after, like, the fall camp, and you were ready to roll, that's when you felt comfortable about going out and playing. I watch these kids today, Blue Life, and I'll do this. Dude, 67? I mean, it took 25 years to lose seven games. What the fuck is this? Hey, hey we, say, got, we, got, we got the great coach Randy Shannon. Uh-oh. You got to unmute. Get off mute. Get off mute, Onion. Talk right now. Listen to everybody right now. Go, Shannon. Joaquin. Joaquin looked like he got a fucking two kilos behind him. Gotta pay the bill somehow. Joaquin like he back in the 1980s, like he on Miami Vice somewhere. Hey, man, fuck Romberg. Romberg snapped the ball early in that 2000 game. That motherfucker won't get out of here. You jumped. Right <laughs> Fuck you, Robert. You fucking jumped. Listen, Brent, y'all remember this? We in the, we in the big team mean room. Coach Davis playing the film back. He stand up and say, Shashi, the fuck do I need to do to keep you on side? Doug said, fuck, go on one. Say, fuck, go on on one. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Hey, we got here one. We got, we got here one of great Coach Randy Shannon stories. 
I mean, ah. we, <laughs> I, I tell you, I tell you what, fellas, what's amazing about it? Looking at everybody, it's like looking at Coach Solinger. When I was in high school, we played Southridge. He ran the damn score up on us. Didn't give a shit. <laughs> threw the ball with like two seconds left on the clock. <laughs> I had the two best linebackers in town. <laughs> playing yeah. against Alonzo. Playing against Alonzo at Columbus. Uh, shit, watching Hurley coming in as a freshman, going through things, recruited William Joseph. Fucking watching Cilio come in, transfer to three different schools, coming in and playing the games. Uh, it's unbelievable, man. And, uh, you know, you know, it's amazing about it when you talk about being family. Uh, just looking at LT. LT was out of was out of playing NFL. And uh, LT was a high school coaching, and he wanted to get into coaching. That's LT. I was the coach at Miami. He said, why don't you come on back, man? Let me help you pay for your degree. Get started and stuff when you want to get into coaching. And LT came back. Went to school, got his degree, and uh, from that point on, me and LT was tighter than tight. Even when we was in college, we was tighter than tight. But it's just a fact that we all looked after each other every time, and that's the one thing that's amazing about it. And just seeing you guys going to recruit Jamal Green, sitting in his house, and boy, y'all think we had a tough loop? Staying in Lincoln Field, Jamal Green house, whoa. <laughs> oh, hey, but, you know, hey, just coach. everybody, man, it's, it's like unbelievable, man. It just, you know, one thing about it, no matter where you're at, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, when you see a hurricane, you have stories to tell, man. And uh, we all family. And I just want each and every one of you guys appreciate you. Now, it's one guy I got to get on. One guy. Oh. That fucking Clinton Portis. <laughs> so we had practice one day we had practice one day and uh we had a scrimmage right clinton said oh, i'm gonna run this thing on y'all coach i'm gonna do my thing i'm gonna do it so, you know a true hurricane gonna be like okay it's on now right it's on so anytime clinton was in the game i eight man blitzed his ass and made him block <laughs> yeah made his ass fucking block and when he carried the ball there was about eight guys on him after the scrimmage, he's gonna walk up to me and say, Coach, why you gotta do me like that? Fuck you mean? You the one talk shit. I did. Yeah. <laughs> and Highsmith, you know how it was. I mean, I watched Highsmith one day in practice. We was dominating. Cilio, you remember this. We was dominating practice. And Highsmith got pissed off and told Jimmy and Gary Stevens, Coach Solid, you remember this one? I want the ball. Give me the ball. Was about to fight everybody. <laughs> Highsmith went eight straight times and nobody wanted to tackle him because he was pissed off and it was like eight to ten yards of pop. But he made a statement that you guys weren't gonna just dominate us. And uh, but you know, that's just fun and everything else, fellas. And I appreciate all you guys. And like we said, we're always gonna be canes for life. And uh, I just wanted to get on and say hi, but I gotta go back to recruit now. I gotta go back to work. Hey, but man, I appreciate hey, hey, all you guys, you man, and love you, man. Before we, before you go, we're going to tell the story about you. Because we knew Randy was special. Yeah. All right, so in 1987, my freshman year, my freshman year at the University of Miami, I'm walking through the hall. I peek into Coach um, Campo's office. Randy's sitting there watching film. Heard it coming. He's sitting there by himself. Ain't nobody else in the building watching film. Randy was the only one watching film. Randy sat there, and he pulled up the tape, and was, he was looking at cover two. He said, Hurley. We had to have completed the scene ball for a touchdown on. 
He said, whose fault is this? I'm sitting there looking at him like, it's a safety fault. He kept rewinding it back. He said, keep looking at it. And he ended up, he made me sit there and watch film for the next 35 to 45 minutes. And he taught me how to play cover two. And I'm sitting there, and, and you, we're talking back in 1987. Yep. And he's been coaching and doing the same thing ever since. So yeah, I saw him take the VHS and bring it to our room. If he could get Winston and Jerome to watch film, I know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 I was a- Hey, I remember that practice, man, because our defense used to just fucking kill that offense, man. And finally, Highsmith threw the ball down. He said, give me that motherfucker, man. Eight straight. Hey, hey, man. Hey, Jerome gets back to the huddle. He goes, this motherfucker's crazy, man. <laughs> I was, we're sitting there. Randy's in the huddle with us. And we're just sitting in there. Jerome goes, this motherfucker's going to get look." And so we said, let's lay it on him. Let's keep going. Winston's in there going, fuck him. Let's hit him. And so it was so awesome to watch you do that. But that was the mentality in them inside drills, man. If you if your team was getting beat up, hey, man, no one had pity for you. Those are some of the most intense moments in my entire life of being in those inside drills. Hey, Randy, so we just saw the University of Miami game where you had – William Joseph, who's on here, you were rotating Wilfault, and you left Black in the game. It, was that because he was Haitian? No, <laughs> 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 um, we, we know what you know. It's amazing. You know what's amazing about that team. You know when I got there. You know Edward was on that team, and. Uh, one guy named Matt Walters was always the key factor. Matt was always the key factor. He was a smart guy, played with leverage, used good hands, always the key factor. Matt was the only guy that would piss William off, but also piss Vince off. Because no matter what, in the game, they would always ask Matt, where do I line up at? (laughs) (laughs) So it's like anything, you better use your tools to get where you at. But in the long run, Matt was a good player that helped William out and Vince out to get the way they at. But also, when we played Boston College, he was the one guy that turned and chased the football, got a pick, drove crazy as Ed when he snatched the ball and went the distance off. So everybody played a part on it, no matter who you are, what you did, uh, no matter what round you went in, I guarantee you, each and every one of us, it may be a block that Big Mac had. Maybe something Donnell did. Maybe something that Ron Bird did. Maybe something Joaquin did. Everybody made a play some point in time in a game to get it done. And that's a part of it. Before, before we let you go, tell us your favorite Ed Reed story. <laughs> hey, hey, oh, I, I, I'll give you one. I'll give you one. Uh-oh. Remember that game? Remember that game we played Florida State at Florida State, and we hey, rocked hey, the world. Hey, Randy, we, Randy. we was kicking that butt. Hey, hey, Randy, talk about Reed on want to stay deep middle. That's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we playing Florida State. Hosmith, you'll love this. We playing Florida State. So I'm going. I say, now Ed, they gonna go with a shake route. They gonna want to dig and go. I got you, coach. I got you, coach. <laughs> Here it come, a dig and go. It jumped the dig, and boom, touchdown. That's when we beat him like 22 to 6, some sort. Touchdown, right? 
So Ed gonna come to me on the sideline and be like, picked up the phone. He said, yeah, you got me, I understand it, but you know what? Don't yell at me, we good, I got you, I owe you one. All right, talk to you later, boom, bye, boom. <laughs> and left off the phone. I couldn't say nothing. That next series, he did catch one and went the distance to the house. So he made up for it. But Ed didn't want to hear all that. He, he, he you know, he gonna accept what it was, but he gonna play the game. Hey, Randy, I got one question for you, man. Yes. After that West Virginia game, Tremaine Mack blocked that uh, punt. We, we won the game. What was that you got hit in the head with? A soda can or Tra a trash can? <laughs> trash can. That was, that, was, that was some vengeance trash can stuff after we got that. That's <laughs> <laughs> damn. Hey, y'all let me get off here. I had to jump back on. We wouldn't be worried. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm going to see y'all later, Miami. man. I got to go to work, fellas. Good to it see everybody. If we'll push it, Coach. All right, y'all take care, man. Love everybody. Coach, coach Saul, take care, buddy. Coach Shannon. Coach Shannon. Yes. Coach Shannon, all yes, the sir. coaches. All the coaches, man. I had to jump on here again. It wouldn't be Kane-like if we don't push it a little bit. <laughs> but... All the coaches, man, that we had, the staffs we had, and I know all the players will say this, man. I had to say this for the NCAA. All the coaches we had, man, and for kids watching, they were the reason why we were successful as young men and became the men that we are, man. You know, and Joaquin, I still you still still see you walk, rocking the Fu Man too, man. <laughs> I had to jump on here. All right, I'm going, man. Y'all be good. You need a fucking haircut. <laughs> I got, I got sports, but before I go, Coach Saul, Coach Swayze, and CJ don't get the credit they deserve. Them the top three coaches at the University of Miami. Coach Shannon, Coach Kehoe, all them eight was great coaches. If Coach Saul spoke, everybody listened. If, if, if Swayze, Swayze had total control of the program, all this, that's what you were missing. Get Coach Swayze back in the fold. Coach Swayze was the realest, most loyal coach. Every secret, every player had the discipline and everything went through Coach Swayze. And CJ, I mean, Tanner, Dre, Reggie, that's enough. You don't even have to talk about what else he did. Uh, just them three alone was everything for that program. So Coach Saul, uh, Coach Swayze, I ain't talked to Swayze in a while, and CJ, man, they made the experience at the University of Miami everything it is. I don't care where I'm at, who asked me about it. Coach Saul, the number one coach, Bobby Turner, number two, then Swayze and CJ. So, thank coach, you, man. You know, hey, 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 Clinton, check it out, Clinton. On our coaching staff with Jimmy, our GAs were Tommy Tuberville and Chuck Pagano. Those were our grad assistants that used to do bed checks. We were so deep, and like you guys were with all the coaches. Can you imagine this? Those guys went on to become like NFL head coaches and college football coaches, and they were our GAs. Man, we had a dice game every Friday night, and Coach Swayze and CJ used to be at it. Getting deep. No, Hegel, I want to hear a great the, the priest. We got to hear. Father Leo? And I need my Father Leo. Father Leo. <laughs> and Father Leo was heard, the best. I never heard a priest curse. <laughs> <laughs>
And he talk about your mother too. Did you take him to Tootsie's? <laughs> hey, man, the first, the first time I met Father Leo, man. Who the took first time I met Father Leo? Leo? I didn't. Hey, the first time I met Father Leo, I saw him on campus. He walked past me. And uh, I said, dang, they go to preach. So I said, let me straighten up a little bit. <laughs> I walked past him. He said, I said, hey, what's up, Father? How you doing? He said, I just got off your mother. <laughs> so I kept walking. I kept walking. I said, damn. I, he didn't say what I thought he said. So I circled back. So I went back by him again. I said, hey, Father, how you doing? Yeah, your mama was good. <laughs> so, I, so, I went and, so I went and asked one of the guys. I said, man, what's up with the priest, man? He, he said, talking about my mother. He said, yeah, he'll be all right. You'll do that, dog. You'll do that. Hey, man, I love Father Leo, man. He was real, Father Leo used to sit in the back of the bus with us. And, man, it was on back there with Father Leo back there. He talked about your mother, your girlfriend. Hey, Alonzo, you know who started that stuff about the mother? Don't you remember Fagan sitting there looking over going, hey, man, I saw your mom down at Miami X, man. I mean, what's she down there doing with my shoes? Bro, she had, she left them over at my house last night. And you're like, what the fuck is this guy doing? <laughs> that shit would go on in our locker room and it would be like, it, everybody would get attacked like that. It would, Fagan start, remember Fagan started doing that shit. Oh, really? Everybody Dude, started doing it. Then we started doing it to Art Keel. Remember we were doing it, hey, Art, there's no way you blocked anybody with those chicken arms ears, bro. And do me a favor, get that eye black, dog. You're really killing us over here. <laughs> hey, hey, Brian McKinney, so so Big Mac, it, you know, everybody talk about all the running backs, y'all. They talk about all the receivers, the linebackers. But y'all had some hell of a offensive linemen that go to the league and, and block for some of these guys. I mean, talk talk about some of the, the great. We uh, I remember when we had to run one tens. Uh, me and Big Vern, we used to talk after Big Vern would throw up before we had to run the one tens. He uh, we was talking about Leon Cersei and uh, how we kind of looked up to him. He was like, you know, the the big tackle, you know, before we came. So he had just signed like a new deal, like fifty million, and we hated running one tens, but we was like, hey. At the end of this ten, uh, at, at the end of this uh, one ten, is that fifty million? So that like we used that as motivation, and um, we didn't get a chance to see him a lot because he was playing. But like we just kind of like studied like a lot of his work and the things he did at University of Miami, and you know, kind of tried to aspire to be like him. Man, that's something else. So now, who who got the best? Hey, hey Luke, and I'm gonna say I'm gonna add something to that too, man. Like the offensive line was the ones that started it all for us too, man. Because their energy running over there to pick you up, like that whole thing is what started that togetherness, that team. I don't care if it was a negative play. The first thing you're going to see is somebody off their offensive line pulling dudes off of you, getting you up, pulling you out there, getting you back to the huddle, getting, wow. the, getting, the, getting the grass out your eyes and all that stuff. And so when it came from them, then it filtered on down to everybody else. That usually be like Joaquin, because Joaquin had all that energy. I used to try to conserve energy during the game. <laughs> <laughs> so who got the best? Who got the best Sean Teller story? Uh, best Sean Teller story. Best Sean Teller story. 
When Sean Taylor, when Sean Taylor came on his recruiting visit to Miami, he came with a guy, uh, Buck Ortega, and for yeah. some reason, Pete Garcia put me and Romberg to take them out, and we were trying to show. Now I was born and raised in Miami. We were supposed to take them and show them a good time. Sean Taylor flipped the script and showed me and Romberg a good time. We ended up at some house party. <laughs> and this motherfucker showed us a good time. We were in some house in the Grove somewhere, somebody's house. These motherfuckers were loaded. We ended up fucking hanging out all day. That's my Sean Taylor story. I tried to take him and show him a good time. That motherfucker flipped the script and showed me a good time. <laughs> I got a Sean Taylor story. So at one point in time, we was all on South Beach. I'm in the league. We all knew about Sean T. We know he was next up and coming. And this probably was like his second year in the league or so. And we on the beach. We had, we had um, at Wet Willie's chilling. And then all of a sudden, we see, you know, it's all the traffic. We see this guy with no shirt on jogging, right? Everybody was like, man, who this crazy motherfucker jogging? I mean, he is drenched, right? He passed <laughs> Nobody recognized who it was. All of a sudden, he ended up coming again about another 10 minutes later. So everybody was like, man, that's Sean T. Right, that's Sean T. So we're like, hey, Sean, Sean, Sean. So he come over there to us, pouring down sweat, wearing some damn biker shorts, right? <laughs> Comes over to us. He's like, man, what in the hell are you doing? <laughs> right, we're like, what the hell are you doing? He said, while y'all over here drinking, I'm out here getting better. So that was the difference between Sean T and everybody else. Like he was always working. He was striving to be the best there was at his position. That's my one Sean T story that I remember. Because I, wherever he was, but I'm gonna give you the one Sean T story that's gonna set him apart, right? So me and me and Santana, we on the plane. Sean just had a good game. You know, we all drinking on the plane. Me and Santana sitting up here. Sean sat like two, two, three seats behind us. So I go back and, you know, taking Sean, uh, taking Sean to him. So when I get back, Sean used to carry his little book bag and he had a he had a CD player. This the iPods was out. The first iPods and stuff was out. But Sean always had a little CD player he used to carry with the headphones in his ear. So I go back and I'm, you know, I'm asking Sean if he good on drink. He like, oh no, no, I got some, I got some. So I'm like, oh, all right. So I turn and walk off. He say, hey, have you listened to this? So I'm like, nah. So he give me, he give me the headphones and the song come on and I'm looking like, what the hell? So I'm startled. I walk back to the seat. I sit down. Kind of like, what's wrong with you? And I, I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, we listening to Tupac, we listening to Troy, we listen to all this stuff to get us JT money, get us crunk, you know, playing right back. I say, man, go back there and listen to what Sean, I say, go back there and see what Sean listening to. He said, see you on that pop? I said, nah, go check it out. So Sean go, I mean, Santana go back to Sean, Sean give him his ear pump, his uh, earphone, say, man, you guys gotta get this. This CD is awesome. T-Pain, buy me a drink. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
Yeah, who that? We got who that? The police in the building. <laughs> who that? What's going on, guys? Who that? I just want you to know, I haven't lost my mind yet, and the statute of limitations hasn't run on some of your shit that you guys did while you were playing. <laughs> hey, hey, you know too much, Ed. You know too much. You, hey, we'll have to kill you, Ed. We know you know too much on us. Don't say anything. <laughs> you can't hide behind that microphone all the time, silly. I remember. I <laughs> you know where the bodies are buried. <laughs> Dude, this is the most I heard William Joseph say in the entire four years that he was. <laughs> and for the record, the best right cross is Jamal Green. Oh. <laughs> hey, hey, who that? Okay, so, hey, who that? So, one of the questions was, what's the best hurricane team that was out there? You don't know oh, how many teams come from with, with all due respect to all of you and all the guys that I've been associated with, I got to say the 1983 team, because they started it, and they're the ones that made it what it was today, that all of you great players came down there. So with Kelly and Jim Burt and those guys, because there was this guy, Schnellenberger, came in and told us my freshman year, we're going to win a national championship. We all thought the man lost his mind. But sure enough, in 83, we had the magic in Miami, the miracle in Miami, and that started it. And you guys just took it to heights that I don't college football has never seen. So, I mean, I, and I've seen all the great games. Uh, but I think that's what got it started. Uh, and to those guys, uh, you know, we all sit back and we look at all of you and we're just so proud. And I've just been honored and blessed to be a part of it behind the scenes. Thank God behind the scenes. Hey, hey Ed, I want to tell you an Uncle Luke story here. So, hang on, I get down I to hear. Miami and I get down to Miami and Jerome, he has to feel me out first. So he feels me out. He goes, come on, we're going to go meet someone, by the way. Make sure you put your jersey on. We're going someplace. Let me just say, you're Italian. Rich, remember that. And so I go, where are we going, man? He goes, we're going down. So we go down to Liberty City, this soulful place. He goes, you got your fucking jersey? You better put it on. So Uncle Luke goes like this. He, he looks me over. Everything's cool. So I, he goes, okay, ask him. Hey, Luke, I need, I, I need to make some money, man. I mean, he goes, Dave Hill, tourist room. Go tell him I said hi. I'm parking cars for the next two years for Dave Hill at the Taurus room because Luke went just like this. He goes, Dave Hill, Taurus room. Go say it. Go tell him you're my boy. <laughs> hey, Luke. Okay, I got one for you, Luke. Remember the strawberries? Women. Oh, yeah. So remember the bikini contest and Vinny testimony? No, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. <laughs> I don't remember that. Hey. Don't answer the question, Luke. All of a sudden, Luke says, we got the Italian stallion. <laughs> like, who's the Italian stallion? And here no, comes Vinny across the stage. <laughs> I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth. <laughs> After all these years, Luke, you finally listened to me. You plead the fifth. Yes, I, I, I listened to you, uh, Udak. Thank uh, you, man. Thank you. The fifth. No talk. Hey, we we who that we have your best friend Donnie Sottlejohn here. He has told so many amazing stories. But you gotta tell us a Donnie Sottlinger story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> listen, before the WWE 
was the WWE. <laughs> there was Solinger and Kehoe in the offensive coaches room. <laughs> it's hard to believe that those two love each other the way they do, but they would fight like two women fighting over William Joseph. <laughs> Hey, the best unkept secret in the NCAA was Donnie Solinger and that damn towel around his neck when he was given formations between one hand, two hands. I was like, dude, 100 degrees out. What are you doing? Dude, bro, don't mess with me. Don't mess with me. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm like, dude, do you think nobody knows what's going on? But it was, <laughs> and listen, I think it's, it's, it's a testament to all of you. And, you know, the, probably the one biggest thing after my 30-plus years of being with these guys, the one true thing, it's a Keynes thing you wouldn't understand because all of you here and, and so many people, and you guys touched on it earlier, it's, you know, and you too, Luke, uh, you guys changed the world both in college the good thing that you did, the stigma that was one, it always was us against the world. It really was. I mean, it's the same thing in my job now is, you know, people are going to hate. That's it. But everything that everybody did, I mean, the stuff we, listen, I laughed a hell of a lot more. And the good thing is now you got these young kids thinking they're pulling one over on the old man. I'm like, dude, you have no idea what came before you. Hey, who that? Who that? Let me ask you a question, man. How were you able to keep so much heat off a of building 36, man? Because I know every time you got a phone call, you was like, God, dang. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the statute of limitations hasn't run on all that. But who that? Remember when I took the walkie-talkie? <laughs> you took the who that walkie-talkie, Hasman? Yeah, he took my walkie-talkie. The best part was, was Jerome Brown driving around in that bicycle with the big white walls on it. And they <laughs> The man's got an Uzi. I said, what? He's got an Uzi. Every cop in the place want to run the office right on drone. Give me the Uzi. Give me the Uzi. Okay, man. But I get it back if I get a receipt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. Hey, 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 hey we're sitting there. Uh, my, my dorm room is right across the street from Jerome. Jerome goes like this. Hey, I got to put these guns someplace. I go, yeah, well, he drops them in the milk carton. Right there in the front door, the fucking cops come walking up and they look at me and I go, "Hey, I can't. I I don't know what the fuck's going on." <laughs> Jerome goes, "Hey, man." He goes, "Are those yours?" Jerome goes, "I don't know." <laughs> that was crazy, man. Yeah, the but now listen. For the record, for the record, he legally owned those. He just didn't have them on campus. He was, he was, the cops were looking at us. They look at me and they go, he goes, here, take some of these. I went, are you fucking nuts? The cops are coming up the fucking stairs here. He goes, should they get up to the stairs and throw them in the milk cart? And I'm like, we're dead, dog. <laughs> now y'all can see, why, now see why I went to mentor uh, UM players, because I heard them stories. <laughs> you can't have no Uzi, Jerome. You can't have that, Jerome. No, that, that's not I a good look for you right now. Yeah, <laughs> firing them guns off outside the dorm rooms. Or you'd be laying in bed, man. All of a sudden, you'd hear this. Bang! You'd be like, God damn. <laughs> well, no, no, no matter what story I tell, that rap from Mahoney Hall 
just did it for everybody. So that when that thing came out, I'm like, dude, y'all try to be like Uncle Luke. That ain't gonna happen. So just hang up your career. Hey, well, who that? You said a good thing, man. When you mentioned guys from '83, I, I think of those guys as well. Dave Hefferman, Jack Fernandez, Tony Fitzpatrick. Um, oh man, there's so many guys who who. Kevin Fagan and oh, it's 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 just amazing those guys who who were part of this program that a lot of people don't know their names because it's been so long. But when you brought that up, it brought back great memories. It, listen, Kevin Fagan came in as a linebacker at 185 pounds and left over 300 pounds. You geneticists out there, you do the math. Whoa! <laughs> but it was uh, you know, and it was it was a credit to everybody, like you said, the coaches. You know, Donnie, all the guys that came before and just – and what they've made this program what it is. And you know what? Haters are going to hate. I mean, how many colleges can say the NCAA came up with rules just for us? No. Hey, Ed, how about that – how about you were talking about the, uh, Kevin Fagan. How about that locker room? And, and Reggie Wayne brought it up about the facilities. Alonzo, remember that weight room we had? It was 500 square feet. It had one bench. It had one squat rack. It was outside like a shed. I show up and I look at the place. I went, are you fucking kidding me? We got one bench and a squat rack? And we're these guys just won a national championship three years earlier? <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. I can't believe it. We didn't have dick. And we were and Lonzo goes, You didn't come here for that shit. You came here because you wanted to play at you. Anyway, so hey. I'll tell you another thing that fired you up. So you're going to the bowl game. And you, you know how you go to functions, you meet the other team. The other team asks me, hey, how much money y'all got for the bowl game? They say $500. How much you guys get? Hey. I say, man, they got us again, man. Hey. I got a walk. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I can tell you this, man. A lot of the stuff we, we use is, is – motivation to, to, you know, when we see other teams with nice shit, nice jerseys, nice locker rooms and all kind of shit, we would use that shit and say, look at them fuckers over there, man. They got nice locker rooms and we got nothing. Let's go out and just beat their heads in. Let's just beat their heads. Like the bus ride to the stadium were always great. When you pulled up to that stadium and you saw all them people out there, we said, we're going to put on a show for these fuckers today. They came to see us. They don't even care about, I, I hope they got girlfriends, their mamas, everybody coming to the game today, but we're going to embarrass these fuckers. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Hey, Alonzo would show up to, uh, to Gator Field, and he'd be like, look, look at her cheerleaders. Look at her stadium. Look at her scoreboard. Look at, look at everything they got. We are going here and beat the fuck out of them. We had a 25-game win streak up there in 86. We're going to beat them. We're going to beat them up. They got everything, weight rooms, everything. And don't them. let us. You're right. And don't let us show up there and 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 one of the old heads will beat meet us down on the state on the field before the game. <laughs> Ain't nothing you can do, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing. That's the thing. Like when we played, it was nothing like doing a coin toss <clears throat> to our left, and it's thirty old heads sitting over there in that small little rectangle that they was only allowed to be in. Yeah. Like, like that motivated us. You know what I'm saying? Like, when, when I sit over there and I look over there, I see Lamar Thomas, right? I see Brian Blades. I see Michael Irvin. I see Brett Perry. Like, that 
motivated us. Like, we like, man, we got like that. That was like God to us. You know what I'm saying? It was like, man, like God's here watching. You can't let these dudes down. You know what I mean? So, so that, that, that was the thing. Like looking at the, you know past guys that helped build that foundation. Watch us play, man. That was special. For me, it was Jim Kelly and OJ Anderson. I'll never forget that we're playing in the national championship game. I'm a freshman. OJ Anderson comes over to him sitting on a bench. I just had a couple good runs. And he's like, boy, you doing it. And and Jim Kelly came over, gave me a high five. That kind of put us in that mode where you wanted to be, where you're you want to impress those older guys. Because my first game I ever seen in the University of Miami was against the University of Florida, 1982. I'd never even heard of the University of Miami until that game. And we were sitting up in the rafters and the team came out and smoked. And I'll never forget this, telling my mother, I said, Mama, I went to a football game today because um, my parents weren't living in Miami. And she said, what game did you go to? I said, it's Miami versus Florida. And um, a team came out and threw the smoke. I think it was Miami. I said, that's where I'm going to college. She said, why do you want to go there? I said, man, they, it was good. It was 72,000 people in the Orange Bowl. A team came out and smoked. And I said, yeah, that's where I want to be. And that, that was an easy sell for me to Miami. I was probably. A lot, a lot of people don't understand. A lot of people don't understand, like, coming out of the smoke at the University of Miami. You know what I mean? Like, so when I grew up, I'm from New Orleans. It wasn't about Miami. I didn't know nothing about Miami. You know what I mean? To be honest with you, the first time I actually saw Miami actually play a game and paid attention to them was when Miami played Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. You know what I mean? Oh. So, so when I get to Miami, that's all I'm hearing about is that smoke, coming out in the smoke, coming out in the smoke. So when I finally came out in the smoke, I said, man, that shit everybody was talking about because one show <laughs> Once you came out of the smoke and your feet touched that grass, you felt like you was He-Man after that. You felt like you I was got, I got to ask you one question. When you came out through the smoke, where did you want to be? Beginning, end, middle, or last? Where, where, where did you come out? Well, well, my, 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 my first time coming out, it, it's crazy. My first time coming out of the smoke was the second game of my career. That was my first time starting, right? So, you know, I didn't know what to do. You know I, mean? I didn't know I ended up supposed to be in the front, in the middle, whatever. So I'm looking at Santana. Santana wearing number 48 at that time. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, you know, so I'm like, damn, like what what do we do? So it was more of me watching the older guys yeah. come through. Guys coming through with towels. You see Sebastian leading everybody. So it was like, damn, like this shit's special. The next time I came through that smoke. I was in the front. I wanted all that. <laughs> I wanted every part of that. But that 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 in itself, between that and Phil Collins in the heat of the, uh, uh, I can feel it in the night. Man, it's nothing like it. One of one. Nothing like yeah. that. Hey, I'm gonna like through that smoke, man. I'm gonna say this though. That that ninety-one, that ninety-one, ninety team. We used to have them half jerseys on. <laughs> bro, bro, that, that changed the whole game of college football. 
Yeah, them kids still trying to wear them half jerseys. Oh, no, bro, that changed the whole game. Wow. So, exactly, it, man, you're dead on, man. Running through that, running through that smoke, man, was like when you when you went when you went through that smoke and you're coming out and it's an Oklahoma game or a Florida State game or a Florida game and you're running out there, man, and that fucking place is just lit and shaking. And the Orange Bowl, even with all the, like, paint-shifted shit, it's just rocking, man. Yeah. And those people are cheering, man. And there, there ain't nothing like winning a big game at that stadium. And I think since they tore that bitch down, I don't know, man, the program's never been the same since they tore that thing down, man, because that, that, that place, people think it's bullshit, man. But I don't know, man. I think every time I stepped on that field, it was great to be out there in front of all them fuckers, man. We're just – the program just don't look the same playing at Harvard. Edson James at a women's convention? Uh, <laughs> hey, he's practicing – he's – that's what you call social distancing. I see two men and 38 women. Hey, 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 Lonzo, the smoke was great. It was phenomenal. But the, the second best thing was when Benedict would come out. Remember how this is staggered the stretch? All you young guys don't know it. But Benny them had a, had his own little song, Benny in the Jets. You remember that, Celio? Oh yeah, dude. So when the DBs coming out, they start playing this song. Yeah. The DBs come out, Benny being in, in the front. Oh, you talking about just hey? That, that that was something to see. You know what? I hadn't watched a lot of old games until this pandemic thing. I forgot how good ben, how good Benny Blades was. Oh man! Oh yeah! Man. Oh, yeah. yeah. Benny Blades is a bad dude. Hey, then it was a big. You know what though? There's so many players. Rohan Marley. Yeah. Rohan Marley was one of my favorite players to watch at Miami. Um, Bailey, Robert Bailey. There's so many guys. Kennard Lang. There's so many guys. Home, Kenny Home. There's so many guys. A a scout told me about this. An NFL scout has been with me for 23 years in a row. You know, we go to schools as and go through schools, we see players on the wall, and we go, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that guy. <laughs> There's more players in Miami you forgot about? Yeah. Yeah. You remember when you go through the University of Miami as a scout. You go, oh, man, I remember him. Like, you focus on Reggie James and Reggie Wayne and Andre Johnsons and all the great players. But there's hundreds of other players who were hell of a football players. How about Stanley Shakespeare? It's yeah. about you don't remember their name because you know that kind of stuff. And it's Willie Brown. Willie Brown. Wow. All American. Dog Henry. DJ Richardson. Dog Henry. Yeah. Wow. Fredo. Wow. I mean, there's, there's so many guys. Like people don't even mention Brett Perriman. Brett Perriman has got like 800 receptions in pro football or 700. Pro bowler. So many players like that at Miami U. People don't talk about O.J. Anderson, Chuck Foreman. I Dennis Hera. They don't even talk about Ted Hendricks. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Jim Burt. Jim Burt. There's so many great players at Miami. It's, it's, it's just amazing 
what you forget about because of the social media. You, you hear about all these things and these players, but there's there's so many other players that weren't Hall of Famers, but were great college football players and, and good yeah. pro football players. All right, only 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 because Lamar's got a doll in his hand. I'm gonna say peace out. Love hey. you guys. Love your families. Luke, I'll see you soon. Take care, guys. Hey, hey, so check, check this out. So I done, I done been on here two hours and thirty minutes, and we talking about the best teams and all that stuff. And I'm glad Lamar on here. Lamar was one of the guys who I looked up to. Lamar Thomas. Who the best receiver that come through the University of Miami? Oh, Ooh. shit. Here we go. Ooh. <laughs> really good now. I done got my drink. Oh. I done had my cigar. <laughs> Who the best receiver come through the University of Miami? Lamar oh, The people want to know. Hey, uh, Reggie Wayne, let me ask you a question. Do you remember <laughs> I tried to get you to come out early? Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> Lamar Thomas tried to get me to come out early because he thought I was taking on all those records. <laughs> I said, I said, I said, dog, you ready? <laughs> I'm waiting on this answer, Lamar. Oh man, what I miss? A lot of good ones, dog. A lot of good ones. A lot of good ones. What I miss? Who the best oh, receiver, EJ? Who's the best receiver to come out of Miami? Uh, it, all, it all depends on. On, on the situation for a running back, for a running back, I'm taking Reggie. He goes yeah. <laughs> all around, all around. Hey, hey Reggie, take pride in taking his man to the ground. So I don't even worry about it. Hey, I ain't gonna lie, I ain't, I ain't do that. So <laughs> I, I was trying to get that bitch to stay low, <laughs> so we could tell that bitch. <laughs> Oh, I told the DB, hey, there's a run coming this way. You can make the tackle too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. This is That's funny. Hey, listen, y'all talking about the best position. The best punch I ever seen thrown in my life out of any boxing match, out of any UFC, anything. I'm sitting in, uh, what was the little club at? Oh, uh, man. 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 Now, right behind Dave, not Dave Land Mall, but right across the street from the school. 609? Nah, no, it, it was like O'Malley. Pat O'Brien's. Pat O'Brien's. I'm sitting in Pat O'Brien. We having a drink. Everybody feeling good. We just won. Big Mac and Vernon decided to throw a party. Me and Ed Reed and rolled all the way down south. Get a bottle of Seagram 7. We rode two hours to get a bottle of Seagram 7, sit in Popeye's parking lot and eat a 12 piece. Get in the car, I don't even know what we were talking about. We go out, we went to the fashion show, all the team, the whole team go to the fashion show. We go to Pat O'Brien's. I'm talking about Pat O'Brien's is loose. We having a good time. Jamal Green. Being a good citizen, attempts to take someone's keys that was about to be drinking and driving. Jamal said, "No, you can't drive this car." The dude snatched <laughs> his keys back and pushed Jamal. This punch was better than Mike Tyson. It was seen from. Jamal hit this dude. I don't know. I don't know if you got in trouble or anything. I know I stopped hanging, which I said, "Well, he ever hit me like that." 
I'm fucking I'm fucking here. The best punch I ever seen in my life. No, hey, what happened with that, with that, that, that night, that situation, it was a weird situation. I was, remember, remember the African girl, Queenie? I was sitting right beside you, me. No, but remember the African girl, Queenie? Yes. It was her, on, it was. You and told you she didn't want to ride with Bill. No, it, well, no, what, what got it was with a boy, I don't know what she said to him. She was speaking in Swahili, so I didn't know what the heck he was, what she was saying to him, but. After a while, the boy got the courage, and he 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 kind of like spilled his drink in my lap. That's what got left your hand when you tried to yeah. push him back. Yeah, and he he tried to speak, kind of spilled the drink in my lap, and, and you know start talking crazy. So you know where I'm from. We, we don't play that. That ain't how, how I get down. But you know what's crazy? And when he went, when they were talking about the 2000 uh, loss against Washington earlier. I kind of I I felt bad for that game for a while because that's the game I was that's the game I was suspended for. I couldn't play that game, and we were short on defensive ends. And now looking when I look back on, it, I'm like, man, if I'd have played that game, we might have had a little more depth and be able to hold it down a little bit on defense. This is before Jerome McDougal and Andrew Williams and them got there. You know what I mean? I'm like, man, that's that, that one game. And since I've been back, we didn't lose a game in the regular season since then. So I'm like, man, if I'd have played that game, man, we probably have been all right. Well, you could be a kid off on Obama with that kind of punch. <laughs> Who's the best D lineman? Who's the best D lineman? Ooh. Well, I'm going with Jerome Brown. I want to see this. Hey, like I gotta respect my elders. All honesty, I say he's out of court. Ooh, I say it's three. I just, I gotta respect Stubbs first because Stubbs got the sack record for 19 in the season. I no no that but the top three D linemen, I say Fat Boy, Cortez, and Jerome. That's tough. All right. I don't think nobody gonna argue with that. Nobody gonna argue with that one. Hey, Jamal, let me hear what you think. Jamal, let me hear what you think. No, I, 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 I agree. I agree with him. I mean, them boys on a different level, man. I ain't nowhere near on their level. Oh. I, I agree with him. Well, I, I tell you this, between Jerome and Warren, I saw Warren in that 95 Orange Bowl beat the fucking shit out of Nebraska. And when I watched him move the way he moved, and then that dude had six, hey, hey Alonzo, Sapp had 16 and a half sacks from the DT spot. And I, I, I don't know what you pay him today in the NFL. And Jerome was kind of like Fletcher Cox, the kid who plays in Philly, where yep. – he wasn't quite the piece, not quite the pass rusher that Sap is, but Jerome plays a better two gap and three gap and would run around blocks and kind of fuck with linemen. It's between those two guys, in my opinion, because I think those two guys, man, Sap Sap's a better pass rusher, but Jerome may be the the, the, the most complete guy, but it's close. Now, now do you want to talk about the whole defensive line? I heard y'all talking about the '95 team earlier. Honestly. I know we're hurting a little bit our offense. Offense, I think we'd have competed with some other teams like 2000, 2001. Our yeah. was number one in scoring points, third down, and total. I still hey, remember three plays on the wall. Hey, that 95D was good, dude. I was, Like I said, I was talking to Sap the other day about it. I'm like, if you guys didn't have – hey, no shit now, Frank Costa, but, I mean, they do. That dude's hey. a dude. Hey. I mean, hey, hey, but, hey, but 89, huh? Come on now. I did. I know, but that, that's about, hey, this talk about a D line, Kenny Holmes. I'm talking about a defensive line for 89. First, hey, Kenny Holmes, first round. Fat boy, 
first round. Hey, hey, Rollo. Rollo was the first pick in the second round. Then I went first. Okay, so look at that in 89. Wow. Greg Mark. Hey, Reggie. Dane Curry. Russell Maryland. Let's um, Jimmy Jones and Willis McGee. All right. six of them got drafted before the fourth hey, round. Really? Every one of those guys were our backups. Damn, so yeah. Cortez can't get in the conversation. Wait, wait, watch this. Cortez is in 90. Cortez in 89. We had Hawkins in 86. We had Hawkins in 86. Jerome, myself, and we had um, and we had Stubby K. Behind us, we had Russell Maryland, Kennedy. Jimmy Jones, Pegues, um, a great Mark. Yep. All them dudes were our backups. Hey, I ain't gonna lie though, but that was some of the decision why I did come to Miami because I was sitting there looking at the depth chart and I saw yeah. Pegues went second round to the Colts. Yeah. He was a backup. Exactly. And I myself, damn, if a backup goes second round, yeah. what the Sir. fuck gonna happen? You know what I'm saying? I'll do running backs for you guys. Huh? Okay. Who running backs for you guys? It's a whole bunch of them. Ooh. Okay, who the, who the top three? Hey. Who the top three running backs? I'm going to go Edger. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We got to have some categories in this now. Nope, okay. just me watching. What y'all say? What y'all say? Who the highest paid running back? Here we go. Y'all say who the highest paid? No, 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 no. We definitely Hey, what y'all say? Hey, what y'all talking about? <laughs> we got to say the big backs <laughs> and the scat backs. You just can't, you can't yeah, just say running back. Yeah. Going Edrin, OJ Anderson, and Porters. Coach mm. I want to hear what you say. Hey, it's, it's a one-cup foreman. No Frank, no Frank. Man, we got to give it to Frank. Man, we got to give it to Frank. Frank represents the buzz, man. Two ACLs. Who is your list? Uh -oh. I'll go down the list. I'll go down the list. Egypt, best athlete overall. Hands, and runner. Overall. McGahee was had the best season, obviously. You know, but McGahey was the hardest to coach by far. He was strong, fast, tough, had a great season. Ran behind a great offensive line. That that also helped. You had the most confidence in anybody I coached ever. <laughs> you know, this guy, hey, bro, put my ass in. What's wrong with you, man? <laughs> we would have won the Washington game if I put you in earlier, right? <laughs> so, you know it. Confidence by far, and you were, you were the most fun to coach, believe me. I'm a dog, I've been slinging D for free, and I've been OG me since two or three. Got his first ring, I'm honey dipping all up in your dark. Cute face, thick thighs, safe lives, spit lines. Yeah. See, I don't really got a type, she takes me high, stranger. But I like I'm thick and bright.